Let's read John chapter 15. We shall read the, from verses 1 to 25. All right, let's read the whole context. Now, I want you to remember the context. Read and concentrate and pay attention. Okay, because this is a conversation. Remember, this is a conversation that is going on between the Lord Jesus Christ when he was on earth with the disciples. This was the disciples feeling very sad. The Lord Jesus is going to leave them. So it's a very um, intimate, sad time for the disciples. Have you been to a funeral before? At a funeral, when you're talking to people, and then they talk about the last words of the, the person who has left them, it's very solemn, right? And, and you want to hear, what did the person say? And so this is the scene, right? So when you read, pay attention, and then we answer the questions and learn lessons for ourselves and know more about our Saviour. Chapter 15, verses 1 all the way to 25. Let's read the whole conversation together. The Lord says, chapter 15, verse 1, reading, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that he may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. For if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and that shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, whatsoever I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my Father, in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that he hated me before he hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, 
they will also persecute you. If you have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I come, they had not sinned, but now they had no cloak for their sin. He that hateth my, my if I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now that both sin and hated both me and my father, but this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that it is written in the law, they hated me without a cause. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this record of our Saviour's conversation on earth. Lord, we get a glimpse of his heart. We get to know what he desires of us. And Father, we pray tonight as we approach your holy throne to study your word, your Holy Spirit will teach us. Lord, remove every distraction, every tiredness, every thought of the world. And Lord, may we desire to know what our Saviour would say to us. Father, we pray for every young person here. Lord, increase their love, kindle their zeal, their devotion to you. Lord, that each one would grow up to be men and women that would give their lives for you, whatever the cost. Oh, Father, we pray that you use all these Bible studies in this church tonight to strengthen your children, to feed your flock. And Father, we pray also that you cleanse us and wash us of all our sins, that our coming would be a blessing, Lord, that we would not be a hindrance in any way. Be with us tonight, speak to us in a powerful way. Consecrate our lives to you as we love our Saviour more. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask again, the context is very important for this chapter. Otherwise, you do not see what is happening. Who remembers what is the context? What were the disciples feeling? Justin, do you remember? What were the disciples feeling? Very depressed, right? That's a good word to use. They're depressed, right? They're quite depressed. Why were they depressed? Anyone remember? Mabel? Jesus said he was going to leave them. Now, it's very important you remember that because the Lord Jesus is going to say, yes, I know you're depressed and I have told you I'm leaving. But I want you to know that although I'm leaving, I want you to have a certain kind of relationship with me, a fellowship with me still. It's very amazing. It's like someone say, I'm going away. They say, yes, I'm going away, but I'm going to tell you the kind of connection we will have. We continue to have. I want you to know the kind of closeness we're still going to have. Some of us have our friends go back to Singapore, right? We have some of them leave and then hmm, we all feel quite sad. Some leave permanently, some for holidays. Then the person said, but don't worry, don't worry. When I go, I still will keep very, very close relationship, fellowship with you. That's what's happening here. That's why I want you to know the context. He said, I'm going away. You're depressed. But I want you to know some things. And he also want them to know how they need to live their life while he's away, physically from them. Alright? So that's a lesson we want to learn. So you ask yourself, is the Lord Jesus with you now, physically? No. So it's like the disciples, you know. The Lord Jesus is not physically with us. Then we ask ourselves, Lord, what do you want me to be like? Brenda, do you know what the Lord wants you to be like when he's away, physically from you? That's what we're going to learn tonight, right? So we say, all right, Lord, what is it? I want to learn and I want to be like that. 
Okay, so now, chapter 15. Let's start. We answered some of these questions, but um, I just want to briefly recapulate, uh, recap. Question number one now, who would bear much fruit? Who remember? I remember Shane answered this question. First of all, those branches that do not bear fruits. Vincent, are they believers or unbelievers? Unbelievers. unbelievers. We established that. All right? Believers will bear fruit, some fruits at least. All right? So these were false believers. False attachment, loose attachment to the vine. They bear no fruits. Okay? Now, in fact, the Lord made it very clear for the believer, for a believer, you know that you're a believer because you will bear fruit. How do we know that? Look at verse 5. Uh, look, look at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. He said, make sure you're in me, genuinely in me. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. You know what the Lord is saying? The Lord is saying that unless you are a believer, you can never have any fruits. That's what he's saying. In other words, a believer, the fact that you have any fruit is because Christ enable you to bear fruits. If you cut off a branch, you throw it and leave it on the roadside, Joash, will, the, will that branch ever produce any fruit? Never. Alright? So the false believer never. False believers do not bear fruits. False, the proof of a false believer, no spiritual fruit. Alright? So that is now. Then I ask, who will bear much fruit? Joash, jo, uh, um, all right, let me ask someone else. Shane, yeah, Shane, do you remember the answer? You gave the right answer. And I forgot your name. <laughs> I need to take ginkgo nuts. Say it again. The true believer, that was not the answer. Bear, the, the question is who will bear much fruit? Not just bear fruit. This, the question is much fruit. Because every believer will bear fruit. Do you want to bear much fruit, Vincent? Yes. Now, so the question is who bears much fruit? We know believers will bear fruit. But here the Lord says, gives us a description who will bear much fruit. Brenda, do you remember? Okay, give you a hint. It's in the range of verse 1 to 5. <laughs> yeah, range of verse 1 to 5, Brenda. Who, what kind of Christian will bear much fruit? Not just fruit, but much fruit. Alright, those that abide in Him means we already established those that abide in Him, they are the believers. So believers will bear fruit. But which kind of believer will bear much fruit? Remember the Lord says, I want you to bear much fruit. Then say, how Lord? Look at the range, verse 1 to 5. The ones who go through purging, very good. Yes, the ones who go through purging. Um, but how does one go through purging? Hannah? What purges us? How do you know that? Also range from 1 to 5. Verse 3, very good. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. So God's word purges us. But it's just purging. Alright, it purges us, we bear more fruits. But there is, the believer is linked. They will bear much fruit. Vincent? Verse 5. Verse five. What is it? Um, he that abideth in me, 
Yes. So, anything else? So verse 5 is correct. That is the beginning point. He describes, now, for a believer, you abide in me, you're a believer. But the thing is, you ha- I have to abide in you. Verse 5, right? He that abideth in me and I in him. How do you have Christ abiding in you much? He explained it further. Ah, so now you, yes, yes. Now, I extend the range to verse, verse 7. <laughs> What does, what does it mean? He, he explained it further, right? In verse 7, let's read together. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and ye shall be done unto you. How do you bear much fruit? Who gives you fruit? Christ. You ask him for fruit. It will happen, right? Lord, make me bear more fruits. And whenever you ask, he say, you ask, I will make it happen. What kind of believer is this? One who is a true believer and one who has the word of God abiding in him. Understand that? I hope it becomes clear. You want to bear much fruit. Um, Veronica, you want to bear much fruit, you must be a believer and you must have God's word dwelling, abiding in you, staying in you. And God's word will purge you and then you bear more fruits, right? So, So you see what the Lord is trying to explain to them. So the believer, I have to ask you, how can you be a believer that bear much fruit? When you pray, Lord, spiritually help me bear much fruit. And the Lord said, I will answer that. Is when the word of God abides in you. Is the word of God, how does the word of God abide in you? Now, how can the word of God abide in you? Cornelius. You must? You pray to him. Now, how to have God's word much inside you? Put a Bible in your pocket. No? How? Very good. You read the Bible as much as you can. You study the Word of God as much as you can. You want to be a fruit-bearing Christian, you must have the Word of God abiding in you, not just a believer. He that abideth in me, look at verse 7, and my words abide in you. Verse 5, um, verse 5, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Shane, do you want to bear much fruit when you're in national service? Then you must know that the condition is not just be a believer. The Word of God, you must be reading it even though you're in the army. Read it day and night. When you're queuing up for your food, when you're queuing up for your ammunition, when you're queuing, you're always queuing up. Right? <laughs> queuing up to take turn to shoot. Always queuing up. Always have your Bible, read it. Right? So only that and mem- meditate upon it. Um, so the believer that studies God's word, but is that enough? God's word must do what to you, Elaine. Yeah, and and God's word must do God. You must allow God's word to do something to you in order to bear more fruit, cleanse you. Which in this case of the vine, it is what kind of what thing is happening? Um, what kind of thing is happening? Purging, pruning, painful. You don't like it. The flesh don't like it. The flesh resists it. God says, give up this sin so that I can make you cleaner. I can, you, I can draw you closer. Give up this idol. God is using His Word to constantly prune us. You have it in us, but when you don't let it prune you, 
means you don't respond to it, you cannot bear much fruit. Are you, have you faulted in your study of God's Word, whether it's FEBC, whether it's personal devotion? If you have, then you will notice that your fruit bearing will drop. Now, then I ask you, Mabel, do you remember what is bearing, what fruit? What is bearing fruit? When the Christians say, Mabel, you must bear much fruit, bear fruits. What is an example of Christian fruits? Grow spiritually, very good, means you become more Christ-like, right? The fruit of the Spirit. So, that's why it's called fruit of the Spirit, right? You bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit means you're growing spiritually, you're becoming more and more Christ-like in your behavior. Okay? That's bearing fruit. Um, we're going to cover this in prayer meeting, God willing. Um, where do you find the fruit of the Spirit? Turn to Galatians. So, are you bearing fruit? Then you have to ask yourself, are these happening in my life? Brenda, when you're at home. Um, Cornelius, when you're with your friends. Um, Joshua, when you're, uh, when you're in church, when you're with um, friends, when you're, you're, not, you're not working. Ah. Um, Kenny, when you're working. Now, they say, I want to bear fruit. What kind of, what does it look like? Chapter 5, look at verse 22 um, to 24. Let's read together. The 22, 23, the fruit. Let's read. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against there is... And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and the lust. Right? So he say, Christ said, this is the believer that allows God's word to prune him. He crucified the affection and the lust. And you look at all this characteristic. If I were you, I'd go print it out. I should do that. Print it out, put it in front of my study table. And then all the time ask me, am I like that? Am I like that? Am I like that? So it grows spiritually, right? Mabel, grow spiritually means more Christ-like. What about other fruit bearing? Um, Caleb, fruit bearing, a bit difficult for Caleb. Any guess? When someone say, I, do you have any fruit? Kenny, what do you think about when people say, do you have any fruit? Have you born any fruit? Okay, yeah, some of those, which is all this we talk about. Now, down here is opposite. Shane, when I say, do you have any fruit? Have you? No, no. Alright, so sometimes we say fruit, some Christians think fruit simply is only about winning souls. Not bear fruits. Means I have, oh, I led so many people, I led this person to Christ, I led that person to Christ. Yes, there's also bearing fruit, leaving, leading people to Christ, alright? fruitfulness but that's not, not the only thing because sometimes we think winning souls is all there is our christian walk is not important okay the christian walk and winning souls we also cannot just christian walk christian walk but we do not evangelize um joash when was the last time you spoke about the gospel to someone street evangelism all right so at least you went so you did so we must seek to bear 
fruit also. Okay, so that's just one aspect, not everything. So, so I answered question number one: Who bear much fruit? They that are believers and have God's word much in them. Why? Because they allow God's word to prune them. Okay. Now, question number two: Why is it that Christ's word, when Christ's word abides in us, He will surely answer our prayers? Um, actually, I asked Brenda, and Brenda answered. So why? Why do you think so? Why? Why does Christ say? Um, can you look at? Um, where's the verse? Now, why does Christ say that if His word abide in us, verse seven, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Why? Why do you think so? Why does? Why when God's word abide in us, that happens? We follow God's word. Our will will be His will. Our will will be very close to His will. And what we ask for is typically what God would want. What God would want, will He answer? Of course. Now, don't take this verse as, as long if I walk very close to God, I'm very spiritual, then I can ask whatever I want. Alright? So it doesn't mean that. It means that whatever you ask, will be very close to God's will and God will always bring His will to pass. Understand that? So then I ask you question number three. Should we then ask anything that we will? Because He said, what you shall ask, what ye will. And God's answer will be yes, maybe. Yes, no, or maybe. You know, some people say, um, maybe you say, I want to... Um, I want to go out with a boy or a girl that's an unbeliever. So your Christian friends say, okay, tell you what, you just go and pray, you just go and pray, and then see what God answers. Is it ask what you will, then leave it to God, see whether God answers. No, right? No. Why not, Hannah? Can a Christian, is it right for a Christian to pray anything? Maybe someone says, I am going to take a job that takes me away for weekends and I cannot worship God and that will be my life. Should you say as a Christian, mm, you should pray and see what is God's answer? Because God said, ask what you will. Ask what you will and then see God's answer maybe or maybe no, maybe yes. Justin, you're smiling a lot. No, why? Why not? We are supposed to keep the Sabbath holiday. We are supposed to not marry unbelievers. So the, the will, God's will is already clear, right? God's will is already clear. Should a Christian, in fact, a Christian who is abiding in Christ and the word of God is much in him, will he or she ask these sort of things? He will not. Understand that? So can you remember when you want to give advice to people, be very careful. Huh? When someone says something and you know God's will, in God's will that is sin, you don't say, you go and pray about it and see what God answers. Uh. You should not even tell the person to pray about it. There's no such thing, no such prayer that God will answer. Understand? So do not even tell people to pray about things that are already known in God's will is sin. Alright, so remember that. Because sometimes we are very light. We say, ah, pray about it. No, on the spot, tell the person, God's will, this is sin. So don't ask. God will not answer. But God will get angry. Okay, so now next, 
Now, so I want us to be very clear about that. So how would one, question number three, um, how, so how would one who abides in Christ pray? One who abides in Christ, when he prays or when she prays, he or she thinks very carefully. I do not ask things that I know will, will upset God. Do you go up to your parents to ask for things that will upset them? Walk up to them, Mom, Dad, I want to take drugs. <laughs> you don't. That's like, they give you one tight slap. It's like, what are you talking about? Sometimes Christians were like that. We walk up to God and we ask anything without thinking. One who abides in Christ will be careful. One who abides in Christ because he has much of God's word in him, he will also use God's word to guide his or her prayer, right? Okay, so when we know it's in, do not ask. Simply repent, that's all. Right? That's how one who abides in Christ will pray. Now, question number four. So now we come to the Lord's conversation. Question number four. Now, why did the Lord Jesus bring up this relationship between himself as vine and believers as branches attached to him? Why do you think so? Now you take one big step back. When the Lord is talking about branch, vine, attached to me, Vincent, what picture comes to your mind? A vineyard. A vineyard, yes. And, okay, about the vine and the, and the branch, just the picture of the vine and the branch. Attach. Yeah, what picture does it show? What picture does it paint to us? A picture of Mabel. Father and son. Um, why do you say father and son? Because it's about Christ and us. Christ said, I am the vine. Who's the father? Father is the what role? Say again. Husbandman. The father is pruner. So not father and son. Fa father is separate person. Father is the pruner. Husbandman. Son is the vine. And vine and the, yes. Source of, life. source of life. Very good. So source of life. That's one. But um, you notice in verse, that's why I ask you when you're reading, think of the whole conversation. Think of like you're sitting there listening to Christ talking to the disciples. What was Christ trying to paint to them? I'm leaving, I know you're very depressed. Look at verse 14. Ye are my friends. Ye are my friends. He talked about this vine attaching is about intimacy, is closeness, is very close friends. Alright, so the picture is one of assurance, assuring them that you and I will be very close. You, you will be attached to me. Understand that? It's that kind of picture. Now, um, so why did the Lord Jesus bring, this up, bring, this, bring up this relationship? It is to, I am about attachment, is to show to them that although he's physically away, the spiritual closeness with him is, is very intimate. Understand that? Remember the context, they are sad. Physically is going, but say, oh, we are going to be very, we are going to be one with another. It's like you're attached to me. You're going to draw life from me. Okay? That closeness. Um, okay, so, the, so that's one thing. The other thing is this. Now we apply it to ourselves. Do you know that the Lord, when He says, says this to disciples, He's also saying this to you? 
to you Hannah, to you Elaine, to you Mabel, to you Brenda, to you Jennifer, to you Veronica. Christ is saying that we are very closely connected, even though I'm physically not with you. Do you feel it? <laughs> is it about feeling, being attached to the vine? Is it about a feeling? No, it's not. Sometimes you say, but I don't feel it. I feel quite lonely. Uh, whole day I go through the day, I, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel this attachment. But here is where Christ is trying to tell them that it is real. Your fellowship, your closeness with Christ is very real. Now he's going to say all this because later he's going to say some things. Actually, I'll ask you, can you guess why he's saying all these things? Do you remember what's towards the end? What's towards the end? He's going to tell them some things. Hannah? Say again. The world will hate you. The world will persecute you. You are going to be unloved in this world. You are going to feel that being a Christian is something very, very difficult. Very difficult in school, very difficult at work, very difficult even at home. They are the unbelievers, those that do not have Christ, they do not abide in Christ, they will hate you. How difficult it is. That's why he wants to assure them. All this assuring is Christ already knows the Christian walk. Are you persecuted at home? Are you persecuted at work in school? Christ knew that. And Christ wants you to know you may not feel it. You may not feel it. But I want you to know that we are intimately connected. Take joy and comfort in that. Understand that? So that's what Christ is saying. In times when you feel alone, in times when you feel it's very difficult, in times where you feel no one understands, in times when you when when your own siblings, your own parents, your own loved ones, they persecute you for being a Christian. At work also. Remember, you are in the vine. That's why you look at what he says. The next thing that he's going to say is, um, look at verse 11. Let's read verse 11 together. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. See, this is what the Lord is saying. I want you to know fullness of joy. Where is this fullness of joy known? To know that you are intimately in Christ. He abides with you. Alright, so this is what Christ wants us to know. Jennifer, do you sometimes feel very distant from God? Sometimes. But Christ say, you and I, we are attached. You are attached, you are in me. When you pray, Christ hears. Christ is very close to you. Now, the, next, the second thing about this, question number three is what I want us to know. Our question number four is this. Um, did I ask it? 
No, ah, actually question number five. Now we move to question number five. Now in verse six, if any man, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth. Um, okay, maybe I answer that in question number four. What does it mean? What does abiding in Jesus mean? So now you say, the Lord says, abide in me. Number one is salvation, right? Very clear, salvation. Now, what about this closeness, this abiding in Christ? Now, this abiding in Christ is this. Here the Lord says, you abide in me and my words abide in you. This abiding is one that Christ is also asking the believer to moment by moment. Hmm draw very close to him are you moment by moment living with this abiding in christ beyond salvation eh? abide yeah you're attached to christ you're safe now there's this abiding that is this closeness um, husband and wives abide with each other very close right they stick close together um, good friends that you have you abide with each other very close buddy buddy right when Shane go to the army, you will be assigned a buddy. And you're supposed to abide with one another. Right? Now this closeness that is, that is what Christ said. I'm going away physically, but I want you to be always spiritually thinking about me. Through my words. Praying, speaking to me. That's why he say, look at verse... Um, Look at verse 7. You shall ask what you will. Praying to me. Always praying to me. Are you like that? Abiding in Christ with this intimacy? In school? Alright, Vincent, when you're cooking KFC, <laughs> when you're frying the chicken, when you're busy, are you abiding in Christ? How? Abiding in Christ means, well, like we study in prayer meeting, it could be you're singing a hymn in your heart to Him all the time. Singing about Christ. That's why I encourage you to memorize hymns. Memorize God's word. Singing to Him. Why do I sing about Jesus? You know, oh, my Jesus, I love Thee, just now we sang. Right? I know Thou art mine. For Thee all the follies of sin I resign. So you're singing. Uh, Vincent, would you memorize two hymns next week. Memorize the camp hymn theme song first. Then as you sing, you see you're always, like I said at prayer meeting, many of us have pop songs in our mind. I hope none, none of you. But oh, we keep thinking of the pop song. I remember I said this before, this, um, this, this girl who came for counselling, he said, oh, there's this boy that's chasing her all the time. And then he rejected her. And then, um, once you're sitting in class, then the classmates will say, you look, you look, he's walking by. Then every time he walks past outside, you have this very sad look and he's singing a song. Some sad, sentimental song that he got rejected. <laughs> yeah? People are like, when you think about someone, you're always singing, you're thinking of the person. Right? Memorize a hymn. Sing to the Lord. The Lord say, abide in me. Be this intimacy. Do we have that? Memorizing God's word. Thinking about Him. He said, I'm... Disciples, I know I'm away from you physically, but this is how our closeness will continue when you're on earth. What about when you're um, 
well, you're working, you're in school, doing, doing homework. What do you do? Turn on some pop music in the background? No, turn on hymns, good hymns. Listen to them. Let them be always, or even turn on sermons. You know, always thinking about Christ. And then, when you're sitting, waiting for your family to turn up or waiting for friends, what do you do when you're alone? What can you do? Um, Joshua, what can you do to maintain that abiding, that intimacy with Christ? Besides singing to yourselves in our heart, psalms, hymns and melodies, making melodies in our heart to Him, besides reading His Word, what else can we do to maintain that abiding, that intimacy with Christ? We said just now already. Pray. That's why I say you ask, ask what you will and I will do. Ask, talk to me. Right? Don't sit there and daydream. Don't sit there and just, oh, let me see what people wear. Let me see what people do. Let me see what kids play. The Lord says, our closeness. Talk to me. Have you learned to pray when taking a train? Have you learned to pray while sitting in a shopping center? Have you learned to pray all the time when brushing your teeth? Always talking to the Lord. So the Lord said, this is our... He said, disciples, I'm going away, but do you know that that is our ongoing fellowship? It's like that. Why are you so sad? Should not be. Right? So I hope some of us will now learn to abide in Christ. We are saved. What are the three things you can do to abide in Christ? In constantly fellowshipping with Him in your heart and mind, Vincent, what is one of them? Singing hymns. What's the second one? Mabel. Praying, right? What's the third one? Elaine. Listening to sermons, reading God's Word, just leaving the Bible on. Do you have audio Bible? It's free to download, KJV. Audio Bible. Just leave it playing. Hmm? All the time. You catch things here and there about Christ. So, my friends... The whole point about question number four is to ask ourselves, Veronica, are you constantly thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> are you sure? Don't know. Right? That is what the Lord says. That is what I want with you. That is what I want with you. That is what I want with you. Right? So young person, that is the Lord tenderly talking to the disciples. And it is for us huh, today, not just for them, it's for us today. Alright, so next. Actually, when you do that, you'll be a very different person. you bear much fruit. God will use you. you know? Question number five. Right? In verse six, uh, this is what abiding means. But then, I ask you a question. Does it mean we can lose our salvation if we do not abide in Him? Because verse six says, If a man, a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And be that. So does it mean that, Oh, yeah, today I didn't think much about Christ. I did not pray much to him. Oh no, I didn't abide today. Oh no, I am not saved. I lost my salvation. Is that the case, Shane? No? Did you think about Christ today? Very intimately, closely? No? Oh no, you did not abide in him. Now you're cast forth as a branch. <laughs> what is this abide? This is talking about the unbelievers. right? Those that are not in Christ. Is that kind of not abide? For the believers, means they were never believers in the first place. All right? They were the false branches. They were the false 
um, um, superficially attached branches. But we know for sure that you will not lose your salvation. I want you to be sure. Brenda, John chapter... John chapter what? We will not lose our salvation. Very good. <laughs> All right, John chapter 10. Let's turn there. John chapter 10. All right, verse 27 and 28. Let's read John 10, 27 and 26 to 28 together. But ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Right? God says this. He give you eternal life, permanent. No, not, he did not say, I give you temporary eternal life. I give you eternal life, and no one can pluck you out of uh, my Father's hand. So, those that do not abide and they are cast forth, they are not this kind of believers, right? They are the false believers, right? They are the false believers. So, be very sure. Jennifer, uh, Veronica, are you a sheep? Are you, do you like to follow Christ? Do you believe in Jesus as your shepherd? You follow anyone else or not? Follow Buddha? No? Follow only who? The Lord Jesus, alright? So, see my sheep, hear my voice. Do you hear Jesus' voice? I mean, do you, do you um, like to hear about Jesus? Like to, do you like him to tell you what to do in the Bible? Alright? So, my sheep, hear my voice. Do you like to follow Jesus? Yes? <laughs> you sure? Alright, so my sheep follow me. Alright, my sheep follow me. So now, we move. Okay, question number six. Now, while the Lord Jesus is not physically with us now, what does he want our lives to be like? Um, actually, I answered that question. I moved the questions around, so that's why I got confused. Now, um, no, actually, this is another part of the question that I want you all to know. Okay, so I'll give you some hints. Um, is the Lord Jesus with you physically, Renda? No. So now what does Lord want us, want you and I and everyone else in this room? What does he want our lives to be like? Chapter 14 and 15. We combine it. 14, 12 and 13. 15, 8. Alright, Benda take chapter 14. Um, um, Joash, take chapter 15. Describe what does Christ want our lives to look like on earth. Who was 14? Oh, Brenda. What does Christ want our life to look like? He said, I'm going away, but this is what I want you, my disciples, your life to be like. Maybe we read 12 and 13 together. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I should do, shall he do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whosoever shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. So what does Christ want your life to be? We start with verse 13 first. Verse 12 first. 
to do greater works. Huh? We studied that. Maybe that lesson you were not here. Christ wants the disciples to know, I'm going away to the Father. I want you, the aim is that you are going to do greater works than me. Brenda, you're going to do greater works than Christ. So you're going to raise people from the dead? What is this greater works? Um, in what sense? Like in Acts, very, very good. Like in the book of Acts, when they went forth to preach the gospel, thousands of people got converted. All right? Did Christ convert thousands of people in one day? Hmm? They said, I'm going to empower you. You, go, you are going to do greater works than me. Right? So it is about going forth to do spiritual work. That is the aim. Christ said, I'm going away, but my aim is that you are going to work. Do spiritual work. Alright, what about verse 13, Brenda? We've got to finish this question. 13. What is the ultimate goal? To glorify God. You see, they kept saying, Lord Jesus, please don't go away. Please don't go away. Then he tell them, I want you to know that you ha- I'm leaving you behind for a purpose. Shame, what's your purpose in life? To glorify God and to serve Him, right? To do greater works, to serve Him. So he said, don't keep thinking about yourself. I intend for you to serve me. I intend for you to glorify God. Now, who did that best? Justin, who served God the Father and glorified God the Father best? My brother. <laughs> who? Who in the Bible? Who set the best example? Very good. The Lord Jesus Himself, right? He said, I come to do that. That is why that is, I've set the example for you. Alright, so who was supposed to do the other one? 15.8. Who was it? Oh, Joash. Oh, you're so quiet. <laughs> Hiding behind. Alright, so what about 15.8? What does Christ want your life, my life, to be like when He's not with us physically? To bear much fruit. Very, very good. Fruitfulness. Not just bear fruit, but bear much fruit. Alright? So, if I summarize, Elaine, Christ is not with us physically. What does He want your life to be? To bear much fruit. Shane said that. Earlier on, He said something to them also. You can look at your notes, sorry. <laughs> Brenda gave the answer. That was 15, uh, 14, 12, and 13. Give glory, bring glory to Him. What about verse, verse 12? To be? To do greater works. To be working. Serving Him. Alright? So what are you going to do during your holidays and every day of your life, Mabel? Serve Him. Glorify Him. What's the third one, Vincent? Uh, 
anyone pay attention, we need to go back to that room. <laughs> What's the third one? Uh, Joshua? Hmm? Yes, bear much fruit. All right, I need this to sing into us. Uh. The Lord has this long conversation with the disciples. We've, we've done 14 and 15, and he, what did the Lord want, them, want us to do? All right, he said, I'm going away. My intention is you're going to stay behind and do greater works. Are you doing works for the Lord? Are you serving Him? And the aim is to glorify Him. And He wants us to bear much fruit. Right? In fact, um, look at verse 8. Can we read 15, 8 together? Herein, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you... You see, again, it's about glorifying God. He wants us to glorify God. He wants us to bear much fruit. He wants us to be serving Him. That's, that's what He wants us to be like when we are, when He's physically not with us. Um, so now I ask. Yeah, make sure the young ones know. Cornelius, what are the three things? And Sunday I will ask you again. Well, Sunday I'm flying off, so I can't ask you. <laughs> what are the three things that Christ wants us Christians to do when on earth. Number one? Um, means to serve Him, right? Number two? Very good. Number three? You can look at your notes. Bear Bear much fruit. Bear much fruit. Not just bear fruit. Bear much fruit. Alright, three things. Veronica, after, uh, Jennifer, after this, I'm going to ask you outside. Alright? So, we are, that is what the Lord, have this long conversation. I said, this is what I want you to be. That's why I talk about the vine and everything. Now I ask, Justin, have you been bearing much fruit? Right? Sometimes we, then we all look down in shame, right? Me included. So we must ask ourselves, hey, that is what the Lord wants me to be when I'm on earth. Have I been doing that? Have you been playing much computer games? No? Okay. Sometimes, have you been doing much? We've been doing much of many things except bearing fruits. We are not spreading the gospel. We are not becoming more Christ-like. We are becoming more worldly. Have you, since the day you became a Christian, become more Christ-like? Or have you, over time, left your first love, become more worldly in your thinking, in your ways, in your friendships, in your dressing, in your hobbies? In... But the Lord says the opposite. Actually, I want you to be more fruitful, more like me, more like Christ. That's what He wants us to be. Alright? Vincent, when did you get saved? 19? Two years ago? Alright? So then Vincent must say, year by year, I will bear more fruits the next year. Must be growing spiritually. Alright? Okay, that is what Christ wants us to be. Does Christ want us to be, did Christ say, I want you to be more famous in this world? To get super results in your exams? To be rich and um, own a lot of things? None of those. We just simply bear spiritual fruits. Right? In other words, everything we do, let's make sure it will help us to bear spiritual fruit. But I'm not saying don't study, please. 
I always say that. I'm not saying don't study. Right? Don't give that excuse. Being a good testimony is also bearing fruit, right or not? But if your results are so good, but you're not Christ-like, you don't serve Him, are you achieving what He wants us to do? Still no. Because I want to, I want to make sure this sinks in. Huh? Three things. Okay, start again. Elaine, what's the first one? Greater works means make sure that we are serving Him. All right. So serve. Number two, Justin. Uh, okay, can bear much fruits also can. Bear, very good. Now you say much, huh? not just fruits. Bear much fruits. And ultimately all this, he repeated this twice. What is it, render? Glorify God. Now, so some of us, I want to glorify God. I'm going to have, I'm going to work so hard. I live in big house, have a lot of money, wear expensive, glittering stuff. See, I glorify God. I don't serve Him. I serve myself, my successes. I get, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to get all A's. And then the whole school is going to know, wow, that Christian got all A's. But did God say only condition three? Condition three is contributed by these two, right? You read carefully. When he say do greater works, what is after that? Glorify God. After he say bear much fruit, what did he say? Glorify God. God is glorified through this. Not just what we make up as we glorify God. Understand that? Okay? Because this can be an excuse to many people. I work very hard because I want to glorify God. I want to be very successful at my job. I want to be promoted to the top of the company because I want to glorify God. Never do any spiritual work. Never bear any spiritual fruit. That is not what God says He left us behind to do. Alright? Okay? So remember that. Is there anything wrong in being successful? Now, you know when God wants you to be successful, you just keep focusing on this, you will still be successful. Some people think, well, if I serve God, I go to church and then I do all these things. Then I've got no time to, to work very hard at the workplace, fry one million chicken wings a day. How am I going to be successful and glorify God? No, we just focus on this. If God meant for you to be this and that, it will happen. If it is not, you can work till you, till you become like skeleton. You can work till you become like skeleton. You still cannot get promoted. <laughs> Understand that? Don't work for those things. God meant for it, it will be there. Okay? Have you seen very terrible, bad managers? But they're managers. <laughs> and then the workers are far better than... It's like, how come? Because, what, the, what does the Bible say? God... Oh, you can think of a country now. God... God what? God setteth up one and put it down another. It is God. It is God. There were bad kings, there were good kings. Doesn't mean you just be bad and then you hope to be promoted also. Eh? So please remember that. So Christ wants us to do these three things. You keep revising it because this is the conversation that Christ had with them. Now next, question number seven. So this is the Lord, eh? the Lord talking with you. Eh? 
I want this closeness with you. I want this to be your life. Then we have to ask ourselves, is my life like that? Question number seven. In verse 11, why did Christ say all these things to disciples? Question number seven. Um, what kind of life, what, kind, what things or kind of life do you think brings you, bring you most joy, no S, in the, as a believer in this world? Now in verse 11, let's read verse 11 together. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Why did Christ tell them all these things? Why did Christ tell them, I want you to focus on these three things? Um, no brainer, this one, Justin, why? Look at the verse, verse 11, why? No idea? Okay, maybe you don't understand the question. Justin, look at verse 11. I'll ask you again. Look at verse 11. Why did Christ speak all these things that we've been talking about to them? The answer is there. That his joy might remain in them and their joy might be full. In other words, my Christian friends, this is what brings true joy. This is what brings fullness of joy. You get, you become top of your school for one year. You become CEO of a company for some time. It goes away. This is what Christ say, my, my, my dear friends, he call us, this life living for Christ, the closeness with him day and night, singing to him, praying, speaking with him, not going out to play, not going out to shop, not going, those, we say, temporary joy. Not watching as many movies during holidays as possible, not playing as much as possible. See, that is not is what going to bring you fullness of joy. Have you known times where um, you didn't achieve so much, but you remember those days where you wake up in the morning, you do your devotion, you're so close to God, and then there's always a hymn in your heart. Then you come to church, you're always with Christians serving together, so happy. And then the days when you go back at night, you're very tired, but you look forward to reading God's Word again, talking to Christ, learning about God. Remember those days? No matter how much you achieve, those days are the ones that brings you the most joy. Hmm? So the Lord said, this is what I want with you. This is what I want with you. 207, make that be what you go back to. Right? So the Lord says, disciples, I'm going away. I say this, you want to throw your shoe at me already, I know. I'm going away. But please, this is the life. I know you are depressed. I borrow Justin's word. I know you are depressed. But you know what is going to bring you fullness of joy? This life. This walk. Not the pursuit of the vain things of the world. Alright? Understand that from very young age. So why are you studying in university? Why are you studying hard to get into university? Why are you working hard? Why? Not to pursue those successes. It's to be the best testimony you can be. Serve Him. 
bearing fruits, being Christ-like, a life that is not worldly. Christ said, that is what I want to see in my friends on earth. And I will be very close with you. Very, very close. Alright? So that is what Christ talked about. Question number seven. What kind of things do you think bring joy to you most? Jennifer, what brings the greatest joy to you? Going to Disneyland? No. So what brings the greatest joy to you? What Christ what does Christ want? Serving him? Obeying him? Glorifying God, those brings the greatest joy. Alright? <clears throat> okay, very good. Now let's let's move quickly, quickly. Question number eight. What is our love towards what is our love towards others to be like? Especially from context of verses 18 to 21. Now 18 to 21 is about um, the Christian being persecuted, right? The Christian being persecuted. Now, and Christ said, how, do you, how does he want us to love one another? Now he moves. Now he moves to the relationship between believers. Right? How does he want us to love one another? Verse 13. Let's read together. Um, no, verse 12 and 13. This is how. This is, let's read together. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So how does Christ want us to love one another? Two things. Hannah, what are the two? Two ways. To love each other as Christ loved us. And verse 13. To be willing to die for your friend. Hmm? Um, Cornelius or Caleb are you willing to die for your brother? don't know <laughs> well Christ said we must be be willing to die for our friends to that point you know okay let's take it one step at a time how did Christ what is Christ's love towards us? he is faithful hmm? he's faithful he's dependable He's unchanging. He keeps his promises. And then the other one, he laid down his life for us, right? He's willing to make any sacrifice for the benefit of the friend. Are you such a friend? Do you Jennifer and uh, uh, Veronica, do you fight over toys? Now you cannot fight over toys anymore. You must be willing to sacrifice, right? Willing to sacrifice. That's how God wants us to love friends. How about sisters? All the more, right? All the more. Are you willing to be sacrificing to your friends? When you're in the army, someone's going to shoot your buddy. Are you going to jump in front of the bullet? <laughs> Now, you see, 
Christ is saying that for the Christian, this is how we ought to love other people, especially Christians. If someone is in trouble, oh, hey, too busy, eh? I'm still trying to hit the one million chicken, or oh, too busy, I'm still, I want to get A for this subject, I'm not going to talk to the person, help the person over the phone. I'm too busy making money. I'm not going to come to help the church, you know, to benefit others. I'm not willing to make any sacrifice that will make me lose anything that I'm trying to achieve. Christ simply put aside His glory, put aside His um, um, glory in heaven, His position, and He came for us. Are you that kind of friend? This holiday, are you that kind of friend that will go and help another Christian friend? Are you willing, well, I'm glad many of you are willing to drive around the moment you can drive. You're offering to help drive people around to come to fellowship. That's very good. But it means that sometimes it means you wake up earlier. You lose sleep. Right? Do you lose sleep waking up earlier to pick people? Sometimes we have to. Right? We sleep less to pick people. Sacrifice. Are we willing to? Now, um, so now question number nine. Question number nine. Actually, I asked why. Question number eight, why? From the context of 18 to 21, why? Why does Christ want us to love like that? Because Christians are going to be persecuted, right? We must reach out to those that have difficulties. Maybe you have a Christian friend in church or, or in school, persecuted by parents for going to church, for believing in Christ. Are you going to help comfort the person? Maybe in, in, um, in church, you know of a sister or brother that um, is going through very difficult times. Are you willing to call up the person, go out with the person, ask the person out for lunch? Encourage the person. You know that some students are here alone. Mabel, do you spend your birthday alone? No? Right? I know some people um, called you out. I didn't know it was your birthday. And then I bumped into some people. Yeah, I said, hey, it's someone's birthday. She's here alone, you know. But, oh, it's my, it's my, it's my holiday now from work. No, no, I'll put that aside. I'll sacrifice. I'll go look for them, cheer them, right? See, this is what Christians do for each other. Genuine love. And not just for fun, not to make the person feel good, to encourage the person spiritually. Because Christ knows that under persecution, some Christians may want to give up. They may backslide. They may commit sin. Then they say, go help the Christian. Be willing to sacrifice to help the Christian. Um, then I ask you this thing. Look at, let's read verse 16. Let's read together. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, maybe I ask Brenda. Now, it says, I want you to bear fruit, right, Brenda? Christ wants you to bear fruit, but he wants you to, that he wants that your fruit should remain. What does it mean? 
What does remain mean? What does remain mean? I want your fruit to remain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You encourage someone, then the someone gets encouraged, you encourage others also. Do you think that's lasting work? Means it is it's, it's work that remains, means it lasts. It lasts and lasts. That's what it means. Right? So when you encourage someone, the person gets encouraged. It is a fruit that is lasting. Spiritual fruit last. Spiritual fruit lasts. Whatever you achieve, whether it's grades, whether it's um, position, whether it's money, they don't last. But do you know Christ say, what I want from you is this. Christian, you serve me. You love other Christians. You help them. And you know what? These are things that will last in eternity. The one person that you encouraged, the one person that you helped when she backslided or he backslided, helped him back to Christ, Christ said, these are lasting fruits. Is it worth it or not? Would you rather be somewhere out there on the weekend, um, maybe the working people, rubbing shoulders with high society, making connections for business, or would you rather be in church doing something that maybe you go to old folks' home and then you preach the gospel week after week after week sit next to an elderly person the person got saved or person got encouraged those last forever, you know it lasts forever so Christ said, this is what greater works I want you to do right? then you chart next year what are the things that I want to do for Christ hmm? That is why. Question number nine. What is the characteristic of being Christ's disciple and friend? Is that your life? Alright, so let's see who, when reading, paid attention. What about Ichung? What is the characteristic of being Christ's disciple and friend? When we have this, you say, you are a disciple. I am a disciple of Christ. I am a friend of Christ. Which verse? Chapter 14, verse 21. Why do you say that's a disciple? Why do you say that's a disciple? No, it's in chapter 15. Christ made it very clear. You're my disciple, this will be your characteristic. Shane. See, when we read, we miss a lot of things. Huh? When you do your devotion, must be careful. This characterizes you as a disciple of Christ. Anyone? Put out your hand. Just answer. Yes, Vincent. No, not disciple fat. <laughs> no shortcut. Friend easy to find. Verse 16. No. Verse 8, very good. 
Alright, let's read verse 8 together. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. The disciple of Christ beareth much fruit, a follower of Christ. One that can say, I'm a disciple of Christ, I follow him, I obey him. One who bears much fruit. What about friend? Alright, Vincent, you wanted the friend one. Verse? Verse 14, let's read together. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Alright? Are you a friend? Because the Lord says, I want you to be my friend. But the question, are you truly a friend of Christ? Can you claim to be a friend of Christ? We are a friend of Christ. He said, Christ said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever, not just some of the things. Uh, Veronica, a friend of Christ does something or does everything that Christ say? Jennifer, if you are my friends, if you do, what's the verse? Whatsoever, everything, very whatsoever, everything that I command you. Alright? So when daddy and mommy gives you a command, they say, the Bible says this, you must obey every one of it. They say, I'm a friend of Christ. Okay? Now, why I want to emphasize this? Because there are many false friends of Christ. Christians today who only choose to live part of what Christ wants them to do. Any part that, that caused them to sacrifice their ambition, they say no. Christ said, but you do whatsoever I command, I call you friend. Right? So wonderful. So next, um, so he's still talking about this friendship. Verse 10, eight question number 10, quickly. All right. Um, Question number 10. Now, how do you view serving the Lord? What is God's promise as we live for Him? Um, um, Julia, how do you view serving the Lord? The hint is from verses um, 14 and 15. How do we view, how should a Christian view serving God? Fourteen and fifteen. Mm -hmm. um, but you know when we serve God or rather I put it the other way how does Christ view us when we serve Him? Hmm? Julia? Uh, 14 and 15 how does Christ view us when we serve Him? Mm -hmm. but God calls us friends God says when you serve me I don't call you servant I call you friends I call you friends. You know, to them, it's a very, very shocking thing to hear. Because the masters in those days, they never treat their servants as friends. Their servants are like dogs. They're, in, they're not human. Right? You just do whatever I tell you to do. I don't even need to feed you if I don't want to feed you. So when the Lord says that, it's very touching to the disciples. A, a master that calls us friends, that treats us as friends, Right? So, you see, he keeps talking about this closeness with them. When you serve God, know God views you, how God views you. A very special friendship. Huh? So wonderful. So wonderful. Don't serve God grudgingly. Serve Him knowing that He says, you're my friend. Okay? 
so wonderful. So you come for Christmas. You put out all the Christmas decoration, you prepare food for people, Christ says, you're my friend. You know, so joyful to serve Him. <clears throat> Don't miss out on serving God. Do not see serving, ser- rather see serving God as a great privilege. So let me paint you this way. Eh? In those days, if you were a servant, hmm, if your master feeds you, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, not even his duty. When he gives you food, wow, you're so thankful. Huh? He tells you to sleep outside in the cold, at least I get to sleep outside. At least I get to sleep. If he tells you you cannot sleep, means you cannot sleep. Right? Anytime they want to kill you, they can kill you. It's like that. You're not human. Hmm? And when they hear, and when a servant in those days have a master that not only love, care, and say, friend, come here. They probably faint. <laughs> they better don't go near Maybe he wants to kill me. Why is he calling me friend? It's unthinkable. Understand that? So we must view serving God as like, who is God? The high, holy, thrice holy God that we can't even approach. Understand that? He's so high and holy that really he says, even if I don't serve, you, even if I don't save you, I ask you to serve me, we are obligated to serve him. Understand that? That is the high sovereign God. But yet God says the same, I call you friend. Come here, friend. Um, so when we serve God, see it as the greatest privilege. Think of yourself as those servants in those days. I can't believe you treat me as a friend. I'll do anything that you ask me to do. I'm willing to die for you even. Understand that? No, have that view of God. Have that view of God. Have that view of Christ. When we serve Christ, don't feel that we are doing Christ a favor. I work so hard in church, you know, I do so many things for Christ, you know. But these servants, the moment a master treat them a little bit nicer, they will, they will be willing to work so hard for them because it's unusual. They will love him so much. Right? And this is God we are talking about. Right? So view Christ rightly. View Christ like rightly. Now the next um, few things and then we finish up. All right? um, 11, 12, 13. I want to finish up this part. Brenda, from verses 18 to 21. From verses 18 to 21. Okay, Cornelius, also pay attention. From verses 18 to 21, look carefully. Eh? Name five reasons why the world hates and persecutes you. Alright. There are four verses, five reasons. So you know there's, a, there's the double one in one of the verses. Alright, so Brenda, give two. Then I ask Cornelius. Yes, the first reason, why do Christian, why the world hates Christian? Because they hate Christ, first and foremost. Number two, because we are not of the world, and Christ is not of the world. We are not of the world. Christ chose us to be not of the world. We are not part of them, in other words. They hate you because you are not part of them. Why are you not part of them? Because Christ chose you. You understand that? Now, so Cornelius, what about verse 20? Why does the world hate Christians? Can you find two reasons in there? A bit tough. What's the first one? 
they persecute Jesus. They persecute Jesus, they will persecute you. Understand that? What about another one? I give you this one. This one is difficult. They, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. In other words, they do not listen to the Lord Jesus. That's why they will never listen to you. They will mock you instead when you talk to them about Jesus. All right, Vincent, what's the last reason? Uh, yes, Christ has chosen us. We are not part of the world. That is part of the. We are not part of the. Christ has chosen us not to be part of the world. That's why they hate us. So, verse twenty-one. Vincent. Who is him? God the Father. Very, very good. Because they do not know God the Father, they are not saved. Do your friends hate you? Do your parents persecute you? Do your boss make life difficult for you? Christ said these are all the reasons. Will you be, are you surprised? Don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged. In other words, he say, right? That's why he says, after he keep talking to them, we are intimately connected. We are very close. You may not feel it, but know it. I'm always there. Know it. After he said that, he said, you're my friends. I know when you serve me, it's going to be very difficult. But remember, I call you my friend. It's going to be very difficult. All right? So he says, then finally, he, in a sense, he let the most difficult part now drop on them. The world is going to hate you. All right? The world is going to hate you. All right? So Joash, when you hear all these things, the world is going to hate you, the world is going to hate Christians, will persecute you. Um, um, Shane, when you go to the army, don't be surprised that the moment they know you're a Christian, they're going to purposely pick on you, tease you, say things about you. Oh, those people uh, believe in God, uh, that kind of thing. Why? Why? Name some reason. They persecuted Jesus. They will persecute you. Other reason? They don't know the Father. They don't know God. No matter how you explain to them, they cannot understand because they do not know the Father. So do not get angry at them. Do not get frustrated at them. Do not feel like giving up because they cannot understand. Understand that? They cannot. Don't, don't be discouraged. Okay? And if they did that to Christ, Christ said they'll do it to you. Are you surprised? Are you going to be surprised? Maybe when you go home, maybe some of your non-Christian friends are going to make fun of you. Hey, Mabel, now you dress like that. What kind of church you go to? <laughs> Mabel, Mabel, you don't listen to this kind of Christian music. Even Christians can persecute you. Right? So when you live a holy life, that's what's going to happen. Okay, so... so um, can I summarize this for you all? And I do the, the question number... Um, uh, 4, 13 and uh, the next round 12 and 13 another next round or maybe let's do 12 and then let's do 12 how do you correlate joy when there will be persecutions Brenda how do you correlate joy when there's persecution mm -hmm. where's the joy he said you do all these things your joy will be full right your joy will be full but when you're doing this and 
people persecute you, God says your joy will still be full because you know you are doing it for me and I call you my friend. Bear it. Huh? Cornelius? Cornelius? So when you go to school and you are a good Christian boy and your friends bully you, should you feel sad? God says your joy is full because they do this to me, they'll do this to you. But when they do this to you, I call you my, my what? My friend. Is it better to have the Lord Jesus Christ, God, as your friend or those friends that bully you? Of course, the Lord Jesus, right? So that's why Christ says, expect all this, but your fullness continue. That is where you joy. I want to say this and I close. Next week, we ask to summarize. Next time, we ask to summarize. When you don't do this, unless you're not a believer, huh? Shane, um, Justin, and Josh, unless you're not a believer, for a believer, if you don't do this, just because you suffer persecution, or you don't do this because you want to pursue the world, do you believe that you'll be very miserable? If you're a Christian, you'll be miserable. Unless you are not a true branch. Then you won't feel anything. Understand that? When you're a true branch, this is what brings you joy. And actually, when you avoid doing this and you pursue other things, you'll find that your life is very miserable. You have no joy. You always know that you're still sinning. You know deep in your heart, the Lord Jesus will say, I call you friend. I love you. I die for you. I want to be, and I'm closely, intimately linked with you, but you're running away. You'd rather do something else. Very miserable Christian life. Right? So let's get our perspective right. Okay? We'll, we'll do the rest another time. Let us pray.